0: (laughs) Welcome to This Youth Generation, working to improve the quality of life for youth in our community. I'm your host, Dion D. Price, author and youth life skills coach. I'm looking forward to engaging you on the topic of critical issues concerning today's youth generation by way of informative edutainment through storytelling, discussions, and interviews. If you're a parent, educator, or youth worker, this program will be a valuable resource for you. Let's get to it. Dion Price, This Youth Generation, Life of a Youth Worker, thank you for joining me. Let's start with, the, uh, with a story that kind of drives the point home on why this work is relevant and how necessary it is and how we all are involved. That years ago, uh, my two kids were riding with me. We were headed to just a family outing on a Saturday morning we're headed to Chuck E. Cheese. I have my eleven year old, my eight year old in the car in the back seat. And we're driving through the residential neighborhood and headed on our way to Chuck E. Cheese. I see to my left, out of my window, as we're driving, a young person, a young kid, maybe about seven, eight years old, maybe maybe even six. He was up in a tree in his residential neighborhood, climbed all the way up in this tree. Looked like he was gonna fall and break his behind any second now. And my now my <laughs> My parental instinct just kicks in and I'm pulled over and just parked the car while my kid is still in the back seat. And I hop out and I go over to the gate and I yell at this young kid. I say, hey, hey, get get down from there before you hurt yourself. Get your butt down from there. He must have been like, you know, like I said, a little kid, maybe seven, six, seven years old. And the, the front door to his resident was open. So someone heard the commotion and and, and a woman comes out, imagine it was his mother. At first, she was startled. She looked at me like, who is this man yelling at my son? She was like, what the hell are you doing? Then she saw him up in a tree, and then she chimed in and said, oh, yeah. Fry, you hurt him. Get your butt down from there before you hurt him. I done told you that before. So as he began to make his descent down to the tree, um, he finally got down. His mother waved him inside, and she kind of looked at me. We didn't even really speak any words. She just looked at me, made little eye contact, and just nodded as to say, thank you, appreciate it. I got back in the car drove on and started, had, remember I had my kids in the car, we started riding down and continuing on our way to Chuck E. Cheese, and and you kind of feel like somebody's staring at you in the back of your head, I felt this tension in the back with my kids, they were kind of quiet, and they were kind of, you know, just tense, and I looked back and they were like, what's wrong with y'all, and they said, dad, that wasn't none of your business, <laughs> like we tried to go to Chuck E. Cheese, what you had to pull over, we tried to, that wasn't none of your business, Right? But I laughed and chuckled about it. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what? That is my business. That's all of our business. If that young man had a fell down and broke his arm, broke his limbs, and God forbid broke his neck, or had any serious injuries, that is my business. That's all of our business. Ultimately, we're all responsible for the people in our community, particularly young people. So it is our business. Now, whether you're a youth worker, whether you're a counselor, you're a teacher, you're an instructor, educator, coach, what have you, we have a a direct interest in the well-being of young people, particularly those in our environment, in our culture, in our communities, in our households, in our classrooms. We are responsible. And that drives the point to the theme of this episode is life of a youth worker. This work is not for the half-hearted. It's not. This work is relevant based on the scripture Jeremiah 23.10. That's Jeremiah 23.10. Jeremiah 23.10 reads, it does not belong to man walking to direct his own step. Wow. It does not belong to man walking to direct his own step. So we are responsible ultimately to help guide young people. If adults need guidance, certainly young people need guidance. And you all know the conditions of youth in America is bleak. It's very disheartening news. The highest dropout rate the risk that they're involved with, the the suicide rate, the influences that they have. It's amazingly how much risk they are. And they don't even know how much danger they're in, but we do. So we need to guide them, particularly those who take on the role of youth worker, parent, instructor, educator, youth minister, coach, what have you. We have to be at the top of our game so we can guide this generation. Someone asked me this. What is the most valuable resource in the world? And many people say it's money, it's it's natural resources, maybe land, what have you. But ultimately, the most natural resource in the world is human beings. Let's be clear on that. (laughs) Because human beings can cultivate and obtain all those other things. If human beings are the greatest resource in the world, then those who cultivate human beings should be honored in the most powerful roles in the world. That means those of a parent, father, mother, teacher, counselor, youth workers. We are the most important roles if you take on this responsibility. But it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. This thing was based on a column that was published uh, maybe several several months ago. The title is Youth Work Not for the Half-Hearted. And to kick this off, what I did was I was speaking at a, a community college with a bunch of, uh, of career-oriented individuals that had the majors of social workers. And I had the opportunity to speak to a class of college students who were all social work majors or majors that were consistent with youth work. And I encouraged them to consider the work they're doing. If they're going to in, in really invest in this work, they have to have the tools necessary and the true commitment. And I sincerely emphasize the word, they got to love this work. You have to love this work because there's so many issues involved and there's so many, so much emotion involved and there's so much risk involved. And for anyone to come into this work half-hearted, you cannot do this work half-hearted. So I emphasize and sincerely emphasize the word love. Even if you hate the job, you got to love the work. And it's feel you must love the work even if you hate the job. So do not let the drama, the stress, there's politics involved. There's, especially if you're in a public school system, if you're working nonprofits. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of lot of politics. There's a lot of uh, turmoil. There's a lot of emotional. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues involved that can really deter you and discourage you. That's why it's so there's so much turnaround in this field. There's so much um, reason for people to get discouraged because it's a thankless work. The pay is not great. You got to deal with parents and politics and city officials. And sometimes you got to ask for permission. You got to ask for funding when this work is is valuable. And you got to convince people the value of this work over and over again, year after year. So it can be very tiring and emotionally draining. So you have to be 100% invested in this work as as, as it's your life's work. Or I would highly encourage you to try another line of work. I really would. Because at the end of the day, The job and the issues of the job is going to outweigh the value of the work and you're going to become one of those individuals that are burdensome and that frustrations are going to manifest itself with the youth that you're working and you're going to be a frustrated, burnt out instructor, coach, and you're going to do more damage than good. And that's a bad thing to be. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've worked with uh, individuals in this capacity and it's, it's very real. I would offer advice to inspire people to do this work. What I would be first is to be true to your self-evaluation. Do a complete self-evaluation check to find out whether you would be doing this work if it wasn't your paycheck. Now, some people love the work. For example, athletes, they always say that I would be doing this for free, but I'm getting paid millions. That's when you know you're in the right industry. Artists, people who are, love art, whether it's music art or, or abstract art, they would be doing it anyway. Years ago, I worked at IBM. I was a software sales representative in the early the, the late 90s when the first tech boom in the in the Bay Area Northern California was booming. And I, to be honest with you, I did not know what the hell I was doing, but I did it for three years and I did it well enough because I had a, a good enough personality to sell the, the product. But to this day, I don't know what the hell I was selling. <laughs> I'm serious. I was a software sales representative for IBM in Menlo Park and I just I never saw what I sold I never I never understood it I never looked at it never could see it I was just renewing these contracts of these organizations and companies that had these platforms and I was just resettling them over and over again I did it successfully for three years I had to this day I have no idea what what it was I didn't know what it looked like I couldn't tell you anything about it but I did it the pay was res- relatively well. You got bonuses every year. But after I left IBM every day, you know what I was doing? I was doing this work. I was working with Dr. Crawford in uh, the College of San Mateo uh, working on a, this program called the Twilight Youth Program in Northern California in East Palo Alto and San Mateo where we used basketball as a seed to help train young people on violence and life skills. And it was a very successful program. We did it every summer. I was doing that. I continued to do the work. So once I left IBM, the work that I was doing, that I was getting paid to do, um, I continued to do the work uh, after that. That's when you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because you'll be doing that outside of your nine to five. Now, I pray that one day, you know what? I would love to be doing this Time And I finally got into the field working in juvenile halls and then YMCAs and then job cores. I started doing this work. And I was very thankful. And I reminded myself that whenever I got tired of the drama, when I the nine years I worked in, in, in at the job corps in Treasure Island in Northern California, the 10 years I worked in juvenile probation and eight to nine in YMCA, I never allow myself to complain because I remind myself, that I prayed for this work. I prayed to be able to do this work full time and get paid to do what I'll be doing anyway. So how dare you complain? That's the commitment that I would encourage young people to have. If you really look, because there is going to be issues when you just cannot stay in the job, but you got to love the work. That's how you have to be invested in the work. Um, a young person who was a former ball player of mine and I coached him for years, I knew he was into some illegal activities, some inappropriate activities, but I didn't want to approach him because I felt that, okay, I don't want him to know that I know about his business, but I know people that he knew. And I'm like, it's a young man. Maybe he feel that I'm intruding in his business to approach him that way. But I passed on the opportunity and I regretted it. So instead of convincing myself that it would be in his best interest for me to try to redirect him. Less than 30 days later, this young man will be committed. He would commit a crime that will cost him 25 years of life. And I tell myself I missed an opportunity. Now, I'm not going to convince myself that I could have saved everything, but I should have at least gave it effort. Having a healthy relationship with this young man, me not even trying to redirect him when I saw danger in his path. That was me doing him a disservice. If you know there's a train coming and you see somebody you love on the train track, you do everything you can to get them off that track. That's true love. That's true commitment. Regardless of how embarrassing it would have been, so damn what, I should have made the effort. I also encourage young people and young youth workers, when you speak to young people, particularly those who are at high risk, particularly at risk, you speak to those people, that young person, like it would be the last time you ever see that person because it very well might be. If you're an instructor, don't pass on the opportunity to share something with a young person in your classroom, in your caseload. Don't pass because you may not get another opportunity to tell that person what you know they need to hear. That's what this work is all about. This youth generation working to improve the quality of life for youth in our community. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you appreciate this program, download the podcast or subscribe to the channel. We appreciate your support.